Hi, Rob. What are you doing? Whoa. Hey, hey, Tara. <laughs> jumping right in there. You weren't kidding. Well, I am jumping right in. Well, I mean, we're on OKHR Leads, and I figured people have listened so far that they know who Rob Trotter is, who's the president of Sooner HR, and then also myself, Tara Crowley, the certification chair of OKHR. So I, hopefully, I mean, if we if you're new, then then yeah. we're just jumping right in. Just read, just read the bios. Yeah, you can find it there. Read the bio. Right. Here we are. Kaboom. And no, the important part is that we get to interview HR people or service providers or somehow they're connected with HR because you know what? Everybody's, if you work in a job, everybody's connected with HR. That's right. So we're talking with some people who have some input about HR. And today, do you know who our lineup is today? I, I think I do. I'm not sure. But you think you do? Yeah. Okay, I'm cracking up. Hold on, we got to stop this conversation because we are looking at each other, and Rob is holding his his dog, and is the dog is um, probably five pounds, and it's mauling him. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, back and back it up. Today we are visiting with Anna Sarkiris. Hopefully I got that right. Anna, Anna. And she, um, let me tell you a little bit about Anna, and then we get to hear about Anna. But Anna has worked at CompSource for the, uh, for the past 15 years, which means if you are involved with any business in Oklahoma and you have ever needed workers' compensation, you have probably had some connection with CompSource. Um, Anna has worked with them for over 15 years, is currently their director of HR. Um, she has volunteered with OKHR on the state council. She, her current role is identifying leaders, that pipeline of, of new leaders to come in on the state council. She's also been the um, president of OK Oklahoma City's HR Society and many, many roles in between. But the I think unique and the perfect thing about Anna is that she owns her own animal zoo at her house. And if you, <laughs> I'm kidding, but if you ever need a pet sitter, Anna's your gal. So I'm going to say Anna loves pets, but so welcome, Anna. I'm so excited to hear about you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on for a discussion of all things HR. I mean, it's easy to talk about those kinds of things. And then our passion usually translates to the volunteer world, which is where I met you two lovely humans. Um, yes, yes. I appreciate you having me on. I do not, in fact, offer pet sitting services, but I need them. So it's like the opposite. <laughs> the opposite. I, I think one of the times that I met you, you were watching somebody else's pets. And at that point you had, I, I don't know, there were, you had a couple of animals, but then there were like two or three more who were coming to hang out for a little bit of a season, maybe a weekend. And so, yeah. There's uh, some neighbors that they have a uh, Samoyed. Actually, they're called oh. Samoyeds, but you say Samoyed, so you kind of understand the spelling. They trick me. Okay. That's a whole different story, not for this podcast. But um, they have a big, white, fluffy flooper that I would occasionally dog sit because he gets along with ours. Uh -huh. But they just moved to Reno, Nevada. So, oh, no. Bummed. Yeah. But yes, I have All a right, lot so of I see a little cat stand behind you, and then I'm assuming you have more. You have more than one dog. 
Yeah. So the total count as you, if you walk up to my house, I have one of those like firefighter, please rescue my animals. And then you list like in the box, how many animals you have. So it's, there's no hiding. It's like right there on the front of my house that I have <laughs> five cats <laughs> and two dogs. Um, and this, there's a more convoluted story, but I had an old cat and then I got a new cat and the new cat was annoying to the old cat. So I went to get like, oh yeah, appropriate a companion. And then the yeah. lady said it was buy one, get one free. So I left with two more cats <laughs> and then I took my dad's cat. So that's, and I'm married now. So I can oh. profess the number of cats without sounding like a crazy cat lady. I mean, I am, but I have marriage as a cover, right? That's my understanding. Oh, good. Good plan. Good. Nice. Oh, I love, I, I, I enjoy enjoying the story, but I do understand that when, if you have one thing you need to have, they need to have a companion. So I, I get all of that. When your cat oh. is old, you should ask it, do you really need a companion? Because I think she would have said I'm fine. And I would only have one cat in this story, but it's less interesting. Um, don't even get started on how many cats my husband has. Cause you know, he lives in a different state. Oh no. I wish you guys okay. could see your face. <laughs> okay, I'm going to wait. I'll, we'll ask that when we're done recording. So, okay, good, good. Or you can ask Anna the next time you see her. So, Anna, tell us about your background and how, you, what, how it led to your career. And um, I looked up some of your background that you have a psychology degree, correct? Is that correct, from OSU? And so how did that weave into, I'm going to work in HR? Well, I'll try to, I, I can talk for days, so feel free to redirect okay, me because I tend to okay. um, follow the path wherever it takes me. But to, to answer your question, I thought um, over my childhood that I want to be lots of different things. But when I got to college, I was like, I really am interested. What makes people tick? What, what drives them? And I really liked, don't judge me too harshly, true crime, serial killers. I thought I wanted to be a profiler. But when I went to school, that, that's been a minute. Um, they didn't really have those kinds of programs. And so psychology was kind of the way to go. And um, I had this moment of foolishness where I finished my bachelor's degree and I decided not to pursue my master's. I was accepted to a tiny college in Vermont and it was just too much like mm. for this Oklahoma gal to uproot and leave everything behind. I thought I could do it, but it turned out, I was like, now nah, I'm ready to get into the workforce. Well, with a bachelor's degree in psych, much like today, you need something else. And I started mm -hmm. working for what was then the state of Oklahoma as an administrative assistant. So I actually have 21 years at CompSource next month oh. because the first five to six Look years, at you. I know, have never really worked anywhere else. Um, I was an administrative assistant. And around the five to six year mark, I was like, oh, there's no career progression. I can just become a more important assistant. And even those roles were running out. I was the assistant to the CFO at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got a job at another state agency as an HR assistant. And CompSource came back to me and said, hey, what if we gave you a full HR job? What if, you know, they oh. checked in with me. The director at the time was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I think I finally want to, I, I will, I know what I want to do when I grow up. I want to use my psych degree. It'll be relevant to the human resources world. And so my, the company, you know, that I'm still at and was at then was like, well, what if we, what if we make you an HR business partner? And I was like, cool, that I don't have to leave. And I yeah. get to, to learn that. And I've been afforded every opportunity because now, you know, director, yay. I know. How many people uh, work in the HR department with you? 
Yeah, there's five other humans uh, today. We have evolved a lot throughout my tenure at CompSource. How uh, bad? Yeah, this probably goes without saying. Not only did we change from a state agency to a um, you know for-profit entity, but to answer your question, we have five people. We Ooh. have an HR assistant. We have a business partner slash recruiter, uh, an assistant director, a benefits and comp person, and we just hired an organizational learning specialist. And I'm super excited to have all of those wonderful humans on my team and definitely adding this like learning and training component. She's already hit the ground running and is doing amazing things. How many employees do you, I mean, not from the, your department, but how many employees are at your entity? Yeah, your so we run about 300 total. About okay. 16 of them are part-time. So the rest are the okay. full-time equivalents. Okay. okay. And we're spread between yeah. the city and Tulsa. Oh, yeah, that makes a difference. So when you said that you went from a not-for-profit to for-profit, how does that change the framework for what you did or how you operate? Pretty much everything. So it's kind of fun, <laughs> right? Um, and it's a, it's, it's a unique set of experiences. Our marketing team used to refer to us as an 80-year-old startup company <laughs> because as a state wow. entity... You know, the state provides your benefits, the state provides the HRIS system, among a host of other things. And we had to basically right. build this company. We were legislatively authorized to do so in August of 2013. And so it was work, 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 work. And then our official transition date was 1115. And kind of the fun thing that I tell people is I thought when we crossed that finish line, I was like, oh, cool, we'll get to rest for a minute. But we have been in constant evolution and change and innovation since that time. And uh, it's been really fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think about the, I mean, especially last year, there were so many things that every business is needed to pivot on. Uh, what do you think? Can you give us a story of where you guys um, did something new or that you were, that you're really proud of that made, I, I don't know, like I, I can think of, I mean, you and I had the conversation of selecting payroll providers and that you had had one and then you tried to transition to another and just, you know, having that skill of even going to look for a new, uh, a new item that helps your, your business. That's one thing, but then also implementing that's another just set of skills and trying to, trying to do, give us a story where you had success in making these pivot changes. And uh, there are so many, like, again, the opportunity for such massive change is to be involved in yeah. a lot of different projects, like you said, different levels of scope implementing we've in that short time from 2013 to today, which I guess isn't that short, collectively felt short, we have implemented two different HRIS systems. Oh. We have completely redone our benefits twice. We've done total comp studies, uh, salary studies. We've done two salary studies. We did a grade restructure um, twice. So we continue as we evolve, our needs have been changing. Mm -hmm. um, I'll talk a little bit about the COVID because I, I don't necessarily, I think a lot of companies did what we did, but I was super proud of it. And you know, when, in March of 2020, it was identified by our executive team very early that we were gonna take everybody remote. And we didn't really have all the people, not everyone had a laptop, not everyone had the technology, not everyone had the internet. And we worked together as a team to get everyone set up. And they've been working remote to, as of today, like a, 
almost 98% of our staff members were looking to return June 1. But the feedback we got through the year, I mean, it just like warms your heart. People hearing that, you know, we put their safety first and we put their families mm -hmm. first and we, we worked really hard to get them operational and functional and, and safe in a, in a pandemic environment. And then we've checked in and communicated and try to come up with other ways to engage folks because it's, it's hard if you're not used to it. So mm -hmm. Anna, is, does it look different now or is everybody coming back June 1 or is there going to be a hybrid situation? What's your company's look post-COVID going to be? Yeah, you know, I think all the companies are really struggling with that, uh, Rob. I, I feel like that's kind of the multi-million dollar question. And some companies are starting to approach it now. Some of them are looking at later in the fall. Like my husband's company has been very similar. Um, but for us, it I think at the beginning, we're going to do like a reduced staff return to office rotation in like weekly increments. Like there'll be a different group on week one, then week two, then week three, trying to keep a lower level of occupancy. But we anticipate long-term to offer more hybrid options, like two, two mm -hmm. days at, at home and three days in the office. And I don't know if you guys are experiencing this, but it seems like a dichotomy and a little bit about what people want and what businesses are prepared to do. That seems to be a pretty right. hot HR topic. And I'm, I'm seeing that reflected in our group as well. We've actually had some employees that moved out of state. <laughs> So that's, that's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. And, and I don't know about you, but some of the articles I've read, there are some that are saying, oh, we need to be back at work. We want to be back at work. And, and I think it probably just depends on your business structure. And then there are some who are saying, no, we want to continue to work uh, remotely. I think it was, who was it? Somebody told me Google was looking for, um, you know, property in, San Francisco or something, because they wanted to bring everybody back. And they were a group at the beginning who said, oh, we're going to we're going to go remote. This is whatever. So it's like I think each business has to make the decision. But on the other side, I thought a really um, interesting I mean, it's you know it in your head. But until you read it, it's kind of like, oh, um, how their companies are saving money. You know, they're saving money because they're they're not having the overhead for, you know, electricity and, you know, things like that of people working from home. And I'm like, hmm, well, that's a good that's a good sell as well. So and then other employees who, hey, I'm not I'm not driving to work. So that's saving me X amount of time. So there was a different um, study that was showing actually for employees that were employees, they um, got some time back for themselves, but people who are managers, they actually were working more if they were working from home. It's so, funny you just, say that. Um, oh. I, can, I, can, I can give you some true case stories. So our CEO specifically was like, I love driving in and out of the office. That's like my decompression. It's how I separate mm -hmm. work from home life. So for him, it was very necessary. So for my comp and benefits person, who's someone who has a little bit lengthier of a drive, she's like, it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite for me. Like I just road rage for hours <laughs> in and out of work because I know I'm going to have this long commute with lots of humans um, in my way. And so she says it's, you know, it's stressful for her. So it's kind of an right. interesting dichotomy. Yeah. Well, and hopefully, you know, you guys will find the right the right balance for your group. I mean, everybody's going to be a little bit different. Yeah, I think that's, we're trying to be real flexible, right? Um, I think IT has some different thought processes on what they can do. And some of it's based on the projects. Like 
I told you that CompSource is continuing to evolve and grow and we're, we're in a big IT project right now. So mm-hmm. one of the things that they've talked about is, you know, maybe we have more flexibility when we're not in a, you know, pretty big, pretty important project. It's, you know, we're, if we're in maintenance mode, that world looks a little bit different than if we're, you know, mm-hmm. trying to set something up that's as big as the project they're working on now. Sure. Makes sense. So what's your um, favorite tool in business, Anna? So I think of like sometimes I'm going to guess. Can I make a guess? Like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe not. So I, I'm going to say, okay, you can say we had, we asked this question before with somebody else and they said, what do you mean by what's my favorite tool? And I think about it like, it could be a business tool of, um, hey, this is my favorite software that I use. Or it could be like a personality assessment of, you know, insights or, or I don't know, what, is, what was it, one of the groups that you're trained on for assessment? True Colors? What's that? Is that the same? Is that Colors? Yeah, yeah, it's True Colors. Okay. They, um you know, I'll say it's based in some some sciences, but it's a little more fluffy uh, than a Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. or a DISC, I think. True mm-hmm. Colors International probably doesn't appreciate me saying that, but it's just a little bit more simple, like your personality style kind of is re- represented by this color. And yeah, right. we, we've done that. I think we're going to do some DISC, but I don't know if that's the tool question I'm trying to answer. Like I'm just following that line of thought, but if you're asking me like my best, most used tool, like in my day-to-day life? Mm-hmm. So, yes, however you want to answer. Okay. Um, most recently during the pandemic, it's been Microsoft OneNote. I don't know if you oh, guys use OneNote, but it's basically a note-taking system and it is amazing. I, if you're one of the folks that likes to like write things down and needs that tactical thing, probably that's not going to be as fulfilling. For me, I like having this OneNote system because it saves your notes automatically as you're taking them. You can set up categories and tabs and color code. And here's the best part, you can search your notes. So if you knew that you made a note about, you know, a diversity inclusion initiative, you can just search all of your notes and it will bring up every note that has something to do with that. And then my team also uses it. And we have a shared group uh, notebook in one note okay. where we can have like staff meetings. So we'll just all add agenda items and talk about whatever we need to, because we have uh, twice a week standups. So everyone will just add whatever's top of mind, whatever discussion point we need to have on there. We do the same thing with our payroll group. It's just a great tool. I am, do you use that Rob? I am sitting here searching through my Microsoft <laughs> right now going, I have that. I'm totally going to look into that because that sounds amazing. It is so yeah. amazing. It is so amazing. Like, you type or do you write it? You type. You type? Okay. Now, there was a tool that um, it's actually, the buy tool? No. Um, there was notebooks that we got our staff members for Christmas, and you can write in into the notebook, and it saves down the, the writings. So that one's pretty cool. And you can uh, kind of reuse the pages. So. Oh. I'll, I'll, we'll put links in your podcast bios for people to access these. All these, podcast all these interesting new, well, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to call Anna out. Anna and I were both traveling back from DC and she has this backpack and I'm like, my gosh, uh, what's all in there? She had like three computers in her backpack that she was hauling back 
with her. And I mean, she's a computer fanatic. Yes. I love technology, right? Like I want to (laughs) leverage it for all the things. I always believe that there's a way that we can utilize technology to make our lives easier. Like I, I challenge. So one of the challenges I've been throwing out to some of the staff members, which I'm sure they don't, they may not appreciate it is like, does a person actually have to be on site to provide service? Like, does that have to happen in a face-to-face capacity? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that differentiates comp sources model is that we've always been open to walk-in customers. Typically insurance companies don't even take walk-in customers or you go through an agent, but you know, you can literally come to comp source or pre-pandemic, you can literally come to comp source, walk in the door and say, I want to take out a policy and and we would would work with you. Um, As we go into the future, one of the many questions is, do we allow customers to just walk in? Do we allow them to walk in an appointment or do we kind of push everybody you know, you've already been doing it for a year where you haven't been meeting with us face to face and we found alternate ways to communicate and, you know, write your business and take care of your needs. So one of the questions I keep asking my folks is like, does your person actually have to be here? Could we not? Could we set up a Teams kiosk or computer and you can meet and have mm-hmm. all of the expertise at your fingertips? I think we need to, as a society, maybe that's pretty broad. Mm-hmm. Think about how we want to do business with folks. I think there are, Mm -hmm. and I agree um, with the folks that say that, you know, sometimes it's just better when you're in person. Like I'm a weird human. I like to think everyone thinks they're weird or unique or special, maybe not in those exact terms, but basically like I'm an only child. So I've been raised to entertain myself and be alone for strong stretches of time. So I've been okay in this pandemic, right? Being alone and being at home. On the other hand, I'm also an extrovert. So I'm kind of like most people's puppies when they see humans for the first time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to see you. So (laughs) there's value in having face-to-face interactions. I just wonder like when we think about effectiveness and productivity in business and what works best for both our humans Mm -hmm. and our customers, like, can it it be something different? I think it could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've had conversations about well, or I read an article that talked about the productivity. They were thinking that productivity was down because they couldn't see somebody, but actually the productivity had actually gone up whenever somebody was working from home. It's just that point of being, um, being able to connect. And so that's what we're learning. I think everybody's learning. How do we connect with people who are, you know, working from home or work in a different office location or, you know, we have these meetings. I'm so glad for Zoom that we get to still see each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you guys have more meetings in your universe? Is that a, a trend that you guys have had in your? Yeah, most of my, well, yes, no. I think mine's a little bit different because most of the people I work with um, anyway are are not in the same physical location where I am. So yes, we have meetings, but now I'm trying you know, we would always just have phone call meetings. Now we're trying to do more over Zoom meetings because I, I want to see their faces. It's been kind of fun um, because I think for a while our people got fatigued on meetings in general, regardless, you know, if they were Zoom. We do have an expectation as a company, like you need to show us your face. We want right. to, we want to see you because you lose so many more clues in, yeah. in conversating with humans when you can't have the full yeah. picture. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting, but we did an employee survey last August and the number one pain point was meetings. 
Um, someone specifically was like, definitely these meetings that could have been emails. So. Yeah. Yeah. But sorry, I just keep going off on stuff. We had a coworker here who did a presentation about emails and she said, you know, and Rob and I had, had the conversation just because it's sent in an email doesn't mean that it was heard. Mm. So it's, you know, I think written word is very important, but I think sometimes people scan. So um, you on LinkedIn, on your profile, I saw that you have some training in fierce conversations. Tell us about that. I threw, I threw you for a loop. So I want to know about that. Yeah, and I'll try to stay off of my little platform on training. Training was something that I didn't start out in. I did spend part of my career being the trainer for CompSource and developed a real appreciation and passion for it. And one of the initiatives that we had at CompSource, this has been several years, is Fierce Conversations. It's a, based on a book by Susan Scott, and she developed this model of having conversations. So they're, you know, conversational models. There's a model around delegation. There's a model about having kind of like that crucial conversation. There's a coaching model. And if you read her book, which is very entertaining and full of fun insights, the, the training is based on that. And it uses kind of its own language to try to teach our leaders how to have these different conversations and as well as, you know, considering components of it. Like for delegation, you don't just, you know, delegate whatever. What should you delegate? To who should you delegate? At what level do you delegate? So it, it's, a, it's a fun thing. We actually don't practice that right now in CompSource. And with the hiring of a new organizational um, specialist, we'll be looking at what our foundational models will be. So it's kind of fun. We're considering a couple of different things. So Anna, do you have an example or a story of a time that you've used one of these fierce conversations? You can change the names and dates to save the innocent. Oh yeah, that's such a great question. How about I tell an adjacent? I think this will satisfy the ask. I had a manager who went through the training and was super jazzed like about using the concepts. Couldn't wait to have fierce conversations with his people, which sounds kind of scary, but when you learn about it, it's not it's about being brave, not antagonistic or rude or demeaning, right? Fierce right. in the most best sense of the Beyonce fierce word, right? <laughs> so he went through the training and was just really excited about it. And then he started just jumping into conversations with his people. And some of them were a little bit, um, I got some feedback that it maybe it was, it was a little bit aggressive. So we, uh, <laughs> Too much, <laughs> too Visual time. sessions. Yeah, yeah. It, I, you know, it was kind of like, yay, you're trying to apply these concepts. Also, you might soften the approach, just like a tish. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have to tailor your approach to the people. And that's that, that can be challenging. True. Very true. Hey, what surprises you about HR since you've been in it or been in this world for for a season, for a season? Humans, right? Humans are the most surprising thing about HR. I, I never thought in my whole life that I would spend so much time thinking about how people, like you said with email, how do you receive a message? What do you intake? Um, how do you like to receive messages? How will you react to messages? And it seems like, especially probably in COVID, we've had a lot of opportunities to kind of assess how our folks react to things. And some things are real obvious and some things aren't real obvious. Um, another thing that's been happening in our universe and not just HR, but I mean, in like people universe is the DEI initiatives, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. We launched a class 
August of last year. August was apparently quite quite the month for us last year. And we launched an anti-racism class. And I was a bit unprepared for some of the reactions that I received oh. based on this class in a way that I probably should have been, but there were people who caught me off guard. And it was kind of the gamut of responses, everything from genuine appreciation to being heard and having this kind of, you know, I'm not just the typical training of like, I'm a circle and I'm a triangle and we're different, right? It was, it was a little bit more bold and it mm -hmm. was interesting, the responses to that, like, you know, no one says I have, I'm probably a racist and I have a problem with that. It, it comes out a, a different way. And for myself personally, it was, it was just a, that was a silly statement. But my struggle was separating my own ideologies and thoughts from my HR ideology and thought. Like if you have a thought process that's different than mine and I don't agree with it, but you're not hurting anyone, you're not treating anyone adversely, like you're entitled to your own ridiculous opinion. So that was kind of okay. fun, trying to be open-minded okay. and hear people's concerns when I didn't sure. agree with them. So that was right. That was, that was surprising. People surprise me, but it's what keeps our job interesting. And then you can help people, right? Or you can mm -hmm. help the business. There's a lot of ways to, to, to bring value to our very surprising humans. Did in that training, did, were any opinions changed? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't hear that, right? I either heard mm -hmm. this validates my viewpoints or says mm -hmm. the things that I've been trying to say. I heard some pushback that came out in different ways, um, things that might sound like, I feel like they're saying one group is, you know, more dominant and therefore bad, you know? So there was an assignment of an mm -hmm. emotion when it was just saying, you know, you need to advocate for, I will say that some of the feedback I got from some of the folks, there was at least a couple of managers or higher level people that said, I didn't know this and I wanna have different conversations with my people, which is mm -hmm. pretty cool, right? Uh, right. One of them was like, I wanted to ask, she, this manager said, I wanna go ask my people if I've offended them before because I didn't know X, Y, or Z was potentially offensive. And I was mm -hmm. like, well, you know, you can probably find a different way to like work that into the conversation naturally as you continue to always build relationships with your folks. Um, yeah. It was kind of a fun moment because she was real sweet. She, she said, oh, but we're all Oklahomans. I think everyone probably really receives this message with a good spirit. And I was like, no, not everyone. <laughs> like we're different, <laughs> unfortunately or fortunately. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, at another time, I would love to jump into that and kind of hear more impact. But I, I would assume that that had a huge impact for your group. And um, I, I think it's, you know, it's hard to have these conversations and it's brave. So thank you for opening that door for, for your group. Yeah, thank you. Um, it was fun. We have started a DEI committee too, which is probably something we should have led a long time ago. And they're they're a really fun group of people. Like I know that I have had a, I don't know, I hate to use the word. I feel like 
the opening for me has been realizing how very privileged I am in so many different ways, not only from, you know, my perspective on my race and my gender, but, you know, just my upgrading, being middle class, not having a lot of trials and tribulations. It's, it's, um, it's humbling. It's one of the best things. And this committee is mm -hmm. continuing to do great work and our company is excited about them. Our CEO is excited about this. So I think we'll be doing like, Maybe there'll be a follow-up podcast, part two, on DEI stuff with Anna and her team. Oh, hey, will you promise us? I'm saying this honestly, promise us. That would be so great. I would love to have follow-up on that. And we can, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Hey, um, so tell us also backing up to, we talked a lot about your business. Tell us about um, volunteering and how you got involved and kind of what some of your roles have been and, and what you've taken away from, from giving of your time. Hey, you know, that is, it's the most fulfilling thing I never knew I wanted. <laughs> right. And I think you guys can echo that sentiment. So during my tenure, I don't know why I said that my only tenure is at ComSource, but during that time, Lisa Fleming, who I think many of us know, um, was the HR director at, at CompSource for a year. And during that time, she encouraged me to get my certification. And she also mm. somehow kind of involved me in the Oklahoma City Human Resource Society, OCHRS. And before I knew it, I was in a volunteer role on the board and I got to know things. And it was, it was amazing. It went from, from my outside perspective, like OCHRS is a place I go to to get credits or mm -hmm. education to, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, there's a lot of work. These folks volunteer their time to put on programs and to support our profession mm -hmm. and do amazing things. And then before mm -hmm. you know it, you're just, you're fully involved and committed and, it, and it's so fun and exciting. It's fun to get to know the humans that dedicate their time and resources. It's fun to see the work that goes into it. It takes an extraordinary amount, as you guys know, as volunteer leaders to, to put that effort together. And, and to visit with folks and really elevate what we are and who we're about. It's, it's just the coolest thing. Yeah. And it's a, Hey, guess what? It's a cheap way to get leadership skills. <laughs> Bottom line. You, and you, you know, go. you have as many fun growing moments and learning conversations in your volunteer roles as you do in your mm -hmm. regular HR roles, sometimes even, even more so. Um, it, it's been fun. I remember when they were like, Hey, have you thought about maybe being president? And I was like, what is that until they're like, well, about six years. And I was like, oh, I'm honored. Can I say no? <laughs> <laughs> you was, were voluntold that you were going to be in that role. It was a super cool moment. Cause I, again, I don't think I would have, I don't know that I would have run for mm -hmm. it. Right. Like, I don't know if I would have, right. like, I'm, I'm like happy to help where I can. And it was it was a lot of fun. This is my last year as past yeah. president on OCHRS. And, and luckily I had Kyle. So they, I'm right. almost, um, I'm, I'm not that necessary. Like he's prepared and he's preparing Rebecca, who's our mm -hmm. president elect. So I've been very fortunate to, to work with some awesome humans. Same. I get you. I get you. Mr. Rob. Um, <laughs> Well, we have loved visiting with you. We've taken up a lot of your time, but we have a few kind of really quick shotgun questions for you um, and would love to get your feedback. So just quick, okay. don't overthink. All right. 
(laughs) Number one, during COVID, what has surprised you that you've learned about yourself? That I like working from home. Did not think I would like it. Didn't want to do it. Use myself as an example of someone who has a personality who would not do well at home. And guess what? I love it so much because I'm not distracted by all the conversations with people that I could have. I, I get so much done. It's crazy. I bet. I bet. What mantra do you use for yourself and or potentially like to share with others? <laughs> so recently, just recently, uh, my trainer said that in her career, she had a mentor and she had a specific really tough situation that I won't get into, but, you know, is basically in a conflict with an employee. And she was saying to her mentor, you know, this employee is is out to get me and they hate me and they do all these things. And her mentor said, you're not that special. And I know that sounds super harsh without the context, but we tend to, as people, make it about ourselves, right? Like just by Mm -hmm. being human, you're designed to be egocentric. And it kind of helps to take out the emotion and not take things personally. So lately we've been doing you know what? You're not as, you're not that special. Probably those are not the exact words, but oh, that's what it is. You're not that big of a deal. You're not that big. Okay. So, okay. That's kind of fun. If I start to get in my emotions about like, why hasn't this employee completed this blah, blah, blah. It's not because of you. They got stuff going on in their life. Give them a helpful reminder. See if they need some help. Yeah. That's a good thing to remember. I think for sure. Uh, Yeah. Say that again. One more time for effect. You're not that big of a deal. Thank you. So what uh, what TV show have you been obsessed with recently? Uh, so it's kind of like a circle back. It's The Good Place. I don't know if oh, you watched okay. it with Kristen, Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. Mm-hmm. It's about yeah. Yeah, a group of people who go to The Good Place. And my husband doesn't love Kristen Bell. And he hadn't wanted to watch it. And so finally I forced him to watch it. And so we're binging it because it's it's a it's a lovely it's like three or four seasons. They're, they're the half hour variety. You can get through it real quick. And it's just, it's mostly, um, you know, I, I like my entertainment to be fun and comedic and distracting mm-hmm. and not so much serious and dramatic. And that, that pretty much tracks from books to movies to series. I like a little, I guess a palate cleanser, if you will. Yeah, that's nice. Like the fluff that you don't have to think and just go, hmm feels good move along <laughs> just enjoy it it's not serious it's not heavy it's meant to be maybe even uplifting or you know I think laughter is good good for uh good for the soul of course well Anna this has been a joy glad we got to visit with you and take up your time um, but lastly how can people connect with you well I'm on LinkedIn I think I have a profile that's really easy to find. My name is spelled T-S-A-K-I-R-I-S. I feel like I need to spell it because the T is silent. So if you just go Securis, you're in good shape. And I understand even with that explanation, it is big, you know, unpronounceable. Um, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, all the places. If I was really polished, I would have like all the names and the things, but there's not that many Anna Securison running around, so I suspect you can find me. Jax, Jax is a lot wow. easier. So. <laughs> I, I made the campaign to my current husband that Jax, and Anna Jax, like, right, it sounds like a very happy, demented cheerleader. Anna Jax, right? <laughs> very easy. Love that name. It was the best name. And that's why I told my husband, I was like, you know, you know I love you because I'm willing to do 
all of this and change to something that I'm going to have to spell that I, no one can pronounce. That's that's the definition of true love. He might not believe me because I've been complaining about it for what, like over three years now. Um, so probably it, it's wearing a little thin, but it was my ex-husband's name and I've not found one single person in all of my polling to take my side that it would be perfectly acceptable to keep my first husband's name in my second marriage. Right. Yeah. You're a giver. You're a giver, Anna. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> and I gave him the same speech I gave the last one. If we get divorced, I'm not changing my name because I don't like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much. This was a ton of fun. And until next time, bye. Bye. bye.